Hello, everybody. Welcome to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. Joined by a couple friends here. Um, they'll introduce themselves in a moment before I allow them to speak. I'm going to hog the microphone and remind you to support this podcast by sharing it with a friend. Go ahead and leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. If you like this podcast, if you hate it, you can just close the app now. You don't have to listen anymore. Check out www.d3glorydays.com for articles and further ways to support this podcast. Any links or notes we mentioned during the episode, you can find links to those in the show notes below. Um, yeah, really casual conversation this week, just kind of getting you primed and ready for cross-country season. So I'm going to step aside here mm -hmm. and bring on Stu and Emily to say hello. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Excited. Another season of cross-country. Hey, Emily. So glad to have you on the podcast as all of your written words are coming to life here for just a brief little moment as a surprise guest. If you want to catch Emily's written work for previews, analysis, whatever we have her write, she's about to do it for us, which is amazing. It's on the website, dthegloridays.com. Today, we chat a little bit informal, a little banter about the cross-country season that's upcoming. Talk a little bit about our glory days for a bit at DePauw and what we're looking forward to about cross-country as a whole. We'll get more into the weeds of analysis and predictions later on in the summer. It's still August. We have time. So sit back, relax. We'll be back in another episode here soon. Until next time. Here's to the glory days. All right. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days. The cross-country season is approaching very quickly. One of those things on the D3 Glory Days teams is we look down, it was mid-July. Oh, we got plenty of time to prepare for cross-country. Now it's middle of August and we need to start talking about it a little bit more. If anything was like the track season and the cross-country season last year, we are in for a treat this cross-country season, we return a lot of big hitters, a lot of top teams. But before we get into some of the specifics of present-day cross-country, Noah and myself were once D3 runners. Noah a little bit better than I was back in the day, but I do have two head-to-head -head victories over him. So some could say I'm partially elite, but we're going to talk a little bit about cross-country from our perspective and take some listener questions that we had on Instagram, plus maybe a few surprises along the way. But Noah, welcome in to your own podcast. It's August 10th right now. Take yourself back to junior and senior year when you were good, maybe even when you were a freshman or a sophomore. You're training by yourself in Indianapolis, cranking out the lonely miles. What's going through your head at this part in the summer after a big summer of base building. Yeah. Well, the base building was never big enough. Like that's one thing I know. Like <laughs> after listening back, to all these people on the podcast. Yeah, and I mean, maybe we can talk at some point, like, especially being around some high caliber D3 runners this summer, I'm like just realizing what it takes to be good in division three now. And I'm not sure that I would have been as good, you know, nowadays, but anyway, to like go back in time, I think, I always kind of struggled in August because 
it, it was just like, I was starting to get burnt out from having done so many runs by myself and the prospect of going back to campus is getting closer and closer, but it's still like a couple of weeks away. And so I almost feel like I always fizzled a little bit at the end of the summer because I was just so desperate to get back and be reinvigorated by the team, but it still felt a little too far away. And so um, if, you know, my experience is any indicator of what current athletes listening might be experiencing, I think now is the time to like really work to be motivated because it's been a long summer, but there's, it's still not quite over. There's still like work to be done. Yeah. Have you, you know, we're what 10 years out of college now or whatever it is. Well, we don't, we can edit that out. We'll edit that out. We're, we'll rec- edit that we're out. you know, out of college. <laughs> we're just out of college. <laughs> so my recent graduates, you know, when you've been training for marathons and getting geared up for, you know, big road racing seasons, anything that you've learned in your days as a professional that you wish you've learned earlier in your career, obviously current athletes can't change anything with what they've done with their training right now, but anything that they can do to like maybe change their mindset as they come into the later stages of the summer. I mean, I think if athletes out there have been consistent over the summer, they should be really proud of that and carry that momentum into their season so they can be good role models for their, for their teams once they're back on campus and being consistent once you get into the racing season is so much easier because you're around all that collective energy of your team. But also, you know, there's probably some athletes out there um, listening who were not consistent over the summer. And I guarantee you that there's like future all Americans listening who were not consistent over the summer like we used to say uh the snake is long it was like our slang for like it's a long season right and so i think there's still plenty of time and if you haven't had the summer that you wanted to november is still a long way away yeah i like that you say the the snake is long because that was such a great mantra to have but once you get into the season it goes so so quickly. And one thing that, you know, I really enjoyed about DePaul and what we did, and it didn't mean a whole, whole too much, but to us, it meant a lot. The preseason time trial, let's talk about preseason time trials and why it's the most important race of your cross country season. Yeah. I mean, it definitely establishes the pecking order of the team and it, and it allows you to like, if you had a great summer, it allows you to show up and be like, Hey guys, like this is the amount of work that I did. And it exposes any, any gaps in, in summer training. And so, so it's really a fun way to just see where your, your teammates are in relation to you. And, you know, it's that first taste of racing that you probably haven't experienced all summer but for me, I really loved the preseason time trial because we would often do like a late season time trial. And so you get that first benchmark. Um, we would do two miles, other teams. I think a lot of teams actually do two mile time trials or something like that. But then we would do it again late in the season. And it was really fun to see like how much you improve because, you know, we weren't really doing workouts over the summer. We were just doing mileage. And I think that's pretty different now, at least at least with the, you know, athletes that I've been kind of exposed to over the last couple of years, like people are actually training hard over the summer. So I'm not sure they see that huge jump in the time trial, like the, the pre and postseason time trial, like we did, but it is fun. Cause you're back on campus, you're feeling competitive vibes and you know, you're just hammering your teammates, which is really the point of cross country after all. 
Yeah. Spiking up high school singlets on ready to go. I remember just listening to like very intense rap music to get you fired up for a race that ultimately didn't really decide a whole lot because they just said like, yeah, it determines the pecking order, but that was the first race I beat you in. And at the end of the season, you go to nationals. I don't run as well as I have hoped at the regional meet, but still a confidence gain to be had there. You know, for those who did the work, it shows like, all right, everything did pay off those early summer miles in the humidity, wherever you are in the country, because you can't really escape it, especially in the Midwest, the hardest place to train in the summer, maybe besides Houston, I mean, New England, potentially, but the Midwest, those were the champions are born. Amen. There is one point I want to stress because I can feel people in the audience, just like getting nervous that they didn't do enough this summer and they have that early time trial coming up. And so I think we should stress that early season time trials and early season workouts should only build confidence. Like if it goes well, you can take confidence from it. If it goes poorly, who cares? Like it it shouldn't detract, you know, it should only add confidence. And so, uh, and I think that's probably a good message for people to take back to their teams too. Like it's all early season. It's all about building momentum. Like there's no time for steps backward. Yeah. I hope you could tell the the sarcasm in my voice of the, it's the most important race of the year. That's what we always said. And I don't want to take that, uh, verbatim, if you will, don't come into our, into our mentions, but we still talk about it. I mean, honestly, like it was being, so fun being, you know, several years removed from college at this point. Uh, <laughs> like that's one of the races that it, I reference the most are like early season time trials, just because it was kind of fun to compete against your friends and see who, who you can beat. And yeah, bragging rights still to this day over Noah for the one time that I beat him in the time trial. And I'll never know, sometimes- live it down. Sometimes we, uh, you look at not how many all American awards you had, but how many time trial wins you had true at the end of the day. That's what matters. Well, we did ask people for questions that they had on Instagram. So we're going to go through a few of them right now and we'll start with, you know, kind of general questions and we'll get into more specific team questions coming on later in the show. But one question I thought that was interesting, and I'm not going to out the person who said this because, you know, I don't want to let them let their teammates know they think this. Let's out them. This, this podcast needs to stir the pot more often. We need well, to I'll the question. Some- okay. Here's the question. How do you make your D3 team more serious and get the guys more invested? Man. That's what I was, I tried to do it for four years and had no success. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking back, I think in hindsight, it's really easy to look at it. Cause I think from my personal perspective, like in my head, in my thoughts, I was invested. I wanted to do everything I could to help the team, but then in practice, not practice itself, but like practice as a whole you know, I don't think I gave myself the right opportunities to be as invested as my thoughts were. And I think, you know, whatever you're doing right now to get your team invested, keep doing it because it's going to click with some people, you know, Noah 
has a great example of, you know, when he was a sophomore and we were freshmen and trying to get us to, you know, make the right decisions, which, you know, we did, but ultimately, you know, made some social decisions that really didn't line us up well for later in our running careers. And then in hindsight, like, yeah, those people in that, in those social circles I joined are like some of my really good friends, but I don't regret any of the parties I went to. I regret the meets I didn't do well at. And so if I could go back and change it, it's finding that balance and listening to someone hammering home that these four years matter. And it's really cool to, you know, do well in college, you know, a handful of D3 runners are going to go on and be professionals and make money from running. The majority of us are going to, you know, continue living the dream, the goal, you know, some more than others, or, you know, another small majority or small minority will try to, you know, make the Olympic marathon trials. But for the rest of us, it's just, you know, going out there and and competing and, and trying to make yourself better. But I'll say from experience, as much as cool it is to PR as a post collegiate, it's way cooler to PR and do well when you have the name of your college on your singlet. Yeah. And like to, you kind of started to tell the story, but I don't think you finished it. My, my sophomore year, your freshman year, the team was kind of struggling for identity and purpose. And DePaul brought in a bunch of the cross country alums um, from like 2006, I want to say, which was the last year, like DePaul had made nationals and I got to go out with those guys and this may have even been my junior, but I got to go out with those guys and hear their stories of what it was like to be on a competitive team and how driven they were and how much they missed it. And I, it put it into context for me. I was like, man, I think we're missing out on this experience that these guys had when they were totally bought in. And so, you know, all you can do uh, to this person specifically, who's at the question, all you can do is model the behavior that you want your team to see. And that's something like caring is cool. It's cool to care about something. And I cared a lot, but I was not always a great role model as a captain. I think I had a lot of behaviors that didn't necessarily translate to high performance, but you can be, you know, be the change, be the athlete that you want your teammates to be. And they're going to see your example. And if eventually it gets through their head, like they're going to model that behavior too. And that's really where like cultural change, I think starts. Yeah. You know, as being a coach, you know, coaches can only do so much, you know, we see you all what two hours a day at practice. And then on the weekends, it's what you're doing outside of practice that as Noah's saying, you know, models that behavior. So, you know, if you think you're doing a good job to be invested in going all in and taking things seriously, you know, who cares what everyone else thinks, try to get them on board and, and take them with you. I think what's that saying? You can go fast alone, but you can go further together or something like that. Whatever that saying is, it's not yeah, a great I saying in right. this you, you can, if you want to go, yeah, I think that's right. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together or something like that. Yeah. But if, but in this case, you're going to go far and fast together. Exactly. Yeah. So take that with you. Hope this helps. Have them listen to D3 glory days. Listen to the, some of our guests we've had on and across the board, you know, none of their regrets were like, Oh, I wish I took it more seriously. It was the reason they got better is they started taking it more seriously. And I think that's oh. a really underlying story. Nobody has come on this podcast and been like, man, I wish I would have gotten wasted more in school. Yeah. Like, like, like nobody has come on the podcast and said that. And we've had like very well-rounded people, but they knew like when it was time to focus, it was time to focus. And so 
I think there's a lot of takeaways. You don't have to be just a runner. Like division three is not about being just one thing, but if you're making this commitment, like make the commitment, go all in with it. Yeah. I think that's a, a great way. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is like show that there are a lot of people out there in division three that, you know, take things as they can in, in the division and make the most of their situations. All right. Here's an, here's a good open-ending question that doesn't have to be anything specific yet. Noah, would you rather come in as a slept on underdog or a feared favorite? I think underdog for sure. You know, um, there's going to be, there's going to be both in this upcoming season. And I think the underdog can just really operate with no pressure and then just get a chance to surprise people. But then there's obviously big, big name returners who are going to be coming in and they're just going to have the weight of the expectation that they're going to go to nationals and win or perform really well. And they have, and those guys and girls have had to carry that expectation all summer and they're going to have to carry it all fall where these underdogs, they can just sit back, see what everyone's saying and show up and surprise people. And we're definitely going to see some of that. Yeah. I would, I would want to take the other side and say, I'd rather be a, a feared favorite, but everything you just said is the reason I don't think I'd, I personally would want yeah. to be a feared favorite. I think there are people in the division right now who do a very good job as being a favorite and have shown they can handle it. I think though, if you want to come in and surprise people and not have to like carry this burden, as you were saying, fear an underdog is so much better because then, you know, the expectations are so low. If one race doesn't go poorly, you're not going to spiral out of control and everything like that. So I don't know. The, the underdog story is fun. A feared favorite story is also fun because it shows the dominance. And as you said, we're going to see a lot of that this year. You know, Alex Phillip, Elias Lindgren, Henry Pick, one, two, three, all return on the men's side. On the women's side, Cassie Parker is returning after losing in track. We'll see how she responds to that. Fiona Smith, Aubrey Fisher, and Clara Mayfield are all going to be back. So it's going to be a loaded division still with kind of that mix of feared favorite underdog coming in. So it's going to be fun to see what happens this year. And Cassie Parker is kind of like the perfect combination of both of those things. Like, I mean, no one, nobody is like, she's not an underdog. Right. But she did lose in track. And so she's had the experience of like losing and winning. And so I think that'll be kind of interesting, but underdog is definitely not what she is. I mean, she's a feared favorite, but she has seen both sides of the coin, but the, like the fear of failure is super, motivating and once you like alex phillip has won so much like how could you be motivated by anything other than winning again you know well yeah especially since like you know it's pretty known that he's going to take his fifth year out of d3 and uh and most likely going to be in, in d1 you know he's got he came on the podcast and said he wants to break records like champions are great now it's time to break some records just misses that 10k you know comes up short and that 5k so he's got still, I think to himself, he's got stuff to prove to the division as a whole as well, which then that makes you the feared favorite, even a little bit scarier with a, you know, a feared favorite with a mission. That's a, yeah. that's a deadly combination. We're just going to have to make sure he keeps his ankles wrapped. Oh gosh. Yeah. Just replaying that twisting over again is brutal. It's, it's burning my memory. I can't unsee it. Another question that I'll take, what makes Henry pick poised to win all this year? If you remember Henry pick from the double in track 
the number one reason Henry Pick is going to win a national title this year is due to his consumption of Cool Ranch Doritos. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to our YouTube channel, find the interview with Henry Pick. In the background, there is a mountain of Cool Ranch Doritos sitting behind him on a desk. And I guess they took them from every single meet they went to and just collected them. So there's my non-answer answer. Speaking of reasons to win and, and food and everything, Noah, did you have any pre-meet superstitions that you went through before the meet that you kind of stay to make sure everything was consistent for you? Not really. I mean, you and I had like a couple like roommate traditions of like songs we would listen to or whatever. We'd stay with each other on the road. But I think one thing I started to learn in college and I've definitely learned since is that you shouldn't be tied to any certain routine because the circumstances of every race and every meet are going to be different. And like, you never know if a thunderstorm is going to roll in and like push the start back, or you kind of have to be prepared for any like extenuating circumstances. And so if you're so dedicated to a routine that something disrupting the routine is going to throw you into like a negative headspace, it's probably not a routine worth keeping. Yeah. The songs, what we listen to, we listen to strobe by dead mouse and the Nike ad that we'll link in the show notes that will get yeah, would, you fired up. I'd like to find that again, actually. Yeah, it was just flip like the a, script. Flip the script, baby. Just like the underdog anthem. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. Noah, from what you saw here, you know, as we've begun covering more and more current day, you know, through cross country last year and track this year, you know, what are some matchups or storylines that you're looking forward to this year for this season? Yeah. I mean, I think cross country is going to be really exciting, especially now that like my eyes are open to like really the level of preparation that's going into summer training. Um, you know, on the men's side, I think there's a really interesting dynamic brewing between Elias Lindgren, Elias Lindgren and Graham Tui Gatos, who will both be eyeing like potential individual national championships in cross country. Like, I think they could definitely go one, two, um, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to just count out Alex Phillip just like that. I, I'm not, I said they could go one, two. I didn't say they will. Um, one, yeah, I, one of them will at least be in the top two, but I think they could, <laughs> I think they could both be in the top two and, they're, they're both do. So Elias has been training with my professional group and Graham has been dropping in from time to time. I know Graham is running over a hundred miles a week all summer and cross training. Elias is in amazing shape. He's not running quite that much, but I don't think he has to, but anyway, the, and you know, I don't have a day to day on Alex, like, <laughs> but I, I know he's going to show up ready to rip, but I think he's going to have company really late in the race. And if he's not ready to kick in the last 800, you know, it could get really interesting on the women's side. I think Cassie Parker is going to have a pretty incredible season. I think she's probably a little bit angry. And I think with her talent and ability level and a little bit of anger, like sprinkled in there, she's going to go on an absolute tear. And I don't think she'll lose a race all year. I like that prediction. Yeah. You know, I think that's what we talked about right after that, because, you know, she hasn't lost since she faced off against Parley Hannon 
in track last year and just the dominance she showed, it's either one or two things is going to happen for her. It's either she's going to respond nightly to that and, you know, let it affect her, or she's going to be a woman on a mission and, and tear it up. And I saw that she was at the Bix, which is a seven mile race, hilly course up against professionals. She was, I think four or so minutes off the lead, but for where she is in the season versus, you know, professional athletes in the middle of their road racing season, running 539 pace over a hilly course for seven miles, you know, bodes well for only having to run, you know, 3.75. So already off to a good start. I'm sure that felt like a workout type effort. So, but yeah, I think that contingent of women behind her is going to be interesting. Cause I think a lot of them put their noses in it this track season, even last year, you know, I mentioned Fiona Smith, Clara Mayfield, you know, they're going to be in there. Fiona had an amazing season with Clara as well. Plus Aubrey Fisher of Wartburg. And we've had, you know, some underclassmen step up like Claudia Harnett of Chicago, Natalie Batetti of CMS. There's going to be all these kind of mix of upperclassmen, underclassmen, and also trying to figure out who the heck is actually returning. We did get some information from some coaches that clears some things up, but for the most part, it's still pretty cloudy as, you know, who's coming back and who's going to transfer on and, and run D1. Again, the athletes don't know, like there's going to be some amount of just like over the first few meets of the season, everyone frantically just like getting to the line and kind of looking both ways and seeing if somebody has graduated or not, (laughs) you know? And so the picture will come together over the year, but it's interesting because, you know, you can't be, even if you are, you know, a big name expected to win, you can't be complacent because you can't be totally sure who's going to be there especially with the way that things are working right now, I feel like, you know, you all of a sudden you find eligibility left over and you can go and that's not going to happen, but you know, finally eligibility late in the season, you can jump in a race and boom, you're, you're racing again. And you didn't realize they would be there. Someone asked West region, best region question mark. I mean, they did a really good job proving it last year with what, you know, Pomona's on the three P CMS women finished second Pomona women finished 10th. Obviously we just said Pomona men won CMS sixth, you know, supposedly hearing from the Colorado college coaches, they got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. We're not going to pick a favorite though. We're just trying to be general with our coverage, but stay tuned for our West regional preview brought to you by a previous West region athlete showing you all some love, making sure we're getting you writing articles for that specific region. And where can you find these articles that are, that are being written? Oh, great question. If you're curious about any article we will or have written, check it out on dthagodes.com. Our database is all there. We have some articles, all of our podcasts. I'm working on trying to get some photos up there, but you actually, you can access our photos. If you go to the D3 nationals photos, if you need any track for that Instagram, make sure you tag us in it. What teams return the most scores from last year's meet? We're going to say that one for a future episode, but I will say this Pomona Pitzer had what? 16 guys go under 15 minutes in the 5k. 16. 16 men under 15. Oh my God. And I think all but five return. Like their top, if you take, if you take the returners, their 5k average on the track was like 1434. So they're going to be tough to beat. But 
we'll get into the, all of that soon. We're not going to spend our time talking about that, but great question. We will talk about it. Imagine being the 16th guy who broke 15 and you're just like, you're not really even on the JV team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't even know. I guess you would what travel 12, maybe travel 10. Yeah. But, but like you're part you're, of that amazing. That's a, t- that's a great question. Like yeah. you're part of this amazing culture. You're running really, you're running well. Like you run 1450. You can probably score run at nationals for any other team in the country. Yet you're number 16 on Pomona Pitzer. What would you rather do? Be like a very well supporting cast member or team member and having a great running personal best, but never, but hoping by your junior and senior year, you can run at a national meet or go to a, not a strong team or maybe a strong team, you know, you're a four five and you're running every national meet, but maybe you're not getting any trophies as a team. Maybe we should bring that guy on and ask him. <laughs> kind the, of laundry list of, the laundry list of people we need to bring on is just growing and growing now. That's why we do this. All right. We may have a special guest here coming up. They're at dinner. We'll get their take on the current state of affairs in D3 cross country. But Noah, if we were asked to come back and announce the D3 cross country national meet, I guess not, we didn't really ask last year, but if anyone's listening, we're on board. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about that idea. It was, it's great to call track. That was fun. Uh, we'll do it again as long as they have us. But I mean, cross country is really special in that it's kind of like track simplified, right? It's just one event. You put everybody out there at once and then you have an individual and a team champion. It all comes, the, the whole season comes down to one race. Nothing else matters at all. And track is cool that you have a 5K champion, you have a 10K champion. This is just one event. Everyone's out there at the same time, just out in the elements. So many variables in terms of course and weather anything can happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're a pretty dynamic duo in the booth, so I don't see why anybody wouldn't want to have some there. I'm, I mean, I love calling the sprints and jumps, but it's going to be nice to make sure we know every technical term that goes with the event we're calling as well. Yeah. Well, there well, aren't that many, have technical, a guest. there aren't that many technical terms in cross country, luckily, but. And now joining us on the podcast is the D three 800 meter record holder. I believe, and an ex and a cross country all American, Emily Richards. Emily, welcome to welcome back. How are you? Hey, <laughs> what's up? I'm doing well. How are you? Hi, Emily. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good to see you. You too, Emily. We're, we've just been talking a little about cross country here in the last what thirty minutes or so, and you were an all American back in the day, along with your titles plenty of them in the 800. You're just coming off a great track season, road race season as well. Take yourself back in time to the cross country days. It's August 10th. You're training by yourself out in Ohio, logging the miles that I'm sure you don't want to be logging because you wish you could run an 800. What's going through your head as you prepare for the cross country season? Well, I hope I don't have a, a cross country season. I guess if you mean coaching, yes. Yeah, I guess, I um, guess take yourself back in we're, time. We're taking yourself back. So the glory days, it's all about the glory days. Got it. Got it. Yes. Um, yeah. So the faster you run in track season, the longer you get to prolong actually having to train for cross country. So that was <laughs> kind of what motivated me during the track season, you know, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice to switch gears, I think. And um, I always tell people cross country is good for middle distance runners because it challenges you um, mentally a lot. And I think if you can get through 6,000 or 8,000 meters, then 800 meters around the track should be no problem. So um, yeah, lots of slow, easy miles, which isn't my favorite thing. I'd rather be on the track, but it's a nice change of pace and it's something different. So I guess that's how I put it into perspective. I put Noah on the spot and I'll put you in the spot here too, especially since you just joined a lot of storylines heading into the season. What are you most looking forward to for present day D3 cross country? Mm, Yeah. So I think we return a lot of big names. Um, We return both national champions, Cassie Parker and Alex Phillips. So um, that's exciting. I know from experience on the track, it's really difficult when you experience early success to continue to keep replicating that. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of years Alex and Cassie have. Um, on the team side of things, I think both of those national champion teams from last year bring back strong squads too. So that's exciting. Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> we, got a lot to, we got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Well, what's, what's left on your season? Are you done now after your long, lo- I think it was a long track season for you. Yeah, it was. I, I was uh, just talking to my mom. I was like, mom, I haven't showered in two days because I haven't ran in two days. I like, have no reason to shower anymore. <laughs> but, Best uh, feeling. Yeah, a, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm taking a break right now um, at the lake house. Gonna have a short little vacation before um, going back to campus because um, our cross-country season for Ohio Northern uh, starts on Wednesday. Everybody moves in. What were oh, some wow. of your personal personal highlights from your track season? Yeah, I PR'd in every event that I ran this year. So that was exciting. Uh, new PR in the 800, two flat point two, um, new 1500 PR, 410, and new PR in the road mile, 430. Um, so all of those end in a zero, which was frustrating, but also exciting. <laughs> I think you might have the, uh, the fastest D3 Glory Days 800 PR now. No, have you ever broken two? No, Emily is faster than me in the 800. I've never broken 204. Excellent. <laughs> Speed demon over there. Yeah, 204 is moving pretty good. That's, that's, let's do it. What's your uh, 800 PR? I believe I also ran a 204, maybe 203. After a 1500, though, the classic 15-8 double. Mm-hmm. So, you I, know, fresh I, legs. I'm obviously a sub-two guy, obviously. Well, next year at track, we'll do the, the media 800. Yes. If I train right now, I think I'd pull a hamstring. <laughs> that'd, that'd be my time. A pulled hamstring, a DNF. Two flat, 2.2. It's coming. The sub two journey is I coming. Know. I ran out of 800s, unfortunately, unless I wanted to go to Europe. But even those are with NACAX going on right now. There's not really a ton going on until like end of August. So ran out of meats unfortunately oh. well it's gonna happen next season for sure just do it indoors knock it out early then you can like focus on you know a 3k or a 5k you know your favorite stuff yeah i should probably just book my tickets to boston now huh well we'll just text jordan carpenter he'll get you in and yes you'll be well taken care of yes absolutely
Well, Emily, thanks for popping in. Surprise guest, Emily Richards. She'll be writing a bunch of previews this year and articles. So make sure you check out her writing at, at d3glorydays.com. Yes. Thank you for following along. Well, as we wrap up here, it's going to be another good cross-country season. We're hoping to bring more coverage as always, as we continue to figure this out. If you want to be a part of the coverage and want to help out anyway, in any way, I should say, check the link out on our website. It should be under Athlete Stories. We'll collab with you on a reel. We'll take your photos. We'll take your videos. We'll work with you for with any of articles you have. Let us know. We're here for you. We're here to support D3 runners. We'll be back next week for another episode of D3 Glory Days. Until then. Here's to the glory days.